Amen. Amen. Would you join me in prayer as we begin this time together this morning? Lord, thank you for the words of that song, that even when we don't feel it, even when we don't see it, you are at work completing your heart, your plan in our lives. Thank you for that reassurance. Thank you for that reminder. But Lord, especially, particularly this morning, just as working in my heart, pray to pray for ones who are struggling with hope, with hope. You've reminded me just in the last 10 to 14 days that, that Lord, hope, hope is not a luxury. Hope is a necessity in this life. We praise you that one of your names is the God of hope. Now may the God of hope fill you up with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, would you cause hope to abound in our hearts today, no matter what the reason is for the diminishing of hope, the questioning, the seasons of sadness, Lord, we ask you to remind us that you are the God of hope and that you will measurably this morning as we spend this time together and in your word, in your presence, that you will cause hope to abound in our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen, amen. Amen. I want you to join me in taking out your copy of the Scripture, whether you're here in this room with these great-looking bunch of folks. You just, you just look so good with praise on, you know, with, with, um, with a heart that's seeking the Lord. It's great to see. Those of you who are a part of our streaming family, we, we welcome you and just rejoice in the fact that we're able to be together. We are assembling together this morning in the in the name of the Lord. And would you take your copy of the Scripture and turn with me, please, to the book of Romans. The book of Romans and chapter 4. And I want to spend a few minutes this morning on this subject. Where hope lives. Where hope lives. If you put that in the form of a question, where does hope live? I believe we could find this answer to that question. Hope lives where heaven has made you a promise. Hope lives where heaven has made you a promise. Now, it's you singular, not you plural. The Bible is full of promises. Then the promises are for all of us. But something is different. Something changes. Something happens when you feel like a promise that is written in your Bible has come off the page and has landed in your heart in the middle of whatever it is you're going through or facing or staying in the middle of. Hope lives where heaven has made you a promise. 
Jesus said in John 10, my sheep, are you a Jesus sheep? Are you one of his sheep? Have you received Jesus as your shepherd, as your savior? Have you embraced him as your savior and Lord? Then if so, you are a Jesus sheep. Amen? My sheep, he said, my sheep hear my voice. When I speak, and I do speak to my sheep, they hear me. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. They follow me because they've heard me speak. They've heard me give an instruction. They've heard me give a direction. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Way over in another part of the book of Romans, Paul says this, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. In other words, the Lord still speaks to his people. And, and I, I know, I know, you know many would believe that because they've been convinced of that, have, have been in deep water have been facing a storm, have been in the middle of something confusing, needing to make a choice. And sometimes it's the first thing we do. Sometimes it ends up being the last thing we do. But we ask the Lord the question, Lord, where are you? Lord, what do I do? Lord, what is truth? What is error? We ask the Lord things, and lo and behold, the Lord ends up answering our question. Now, how, how will he do that? Some will say, I, I, I hear his voice. I, I, I hear, and some they would say, it's audible to me. It may not be audible to everybody else, but I hear something. Others would say, there will be a very distinct impression. It's an impression that doesn't go away. Whenever the subject comes up that I'm concerned about, that impression rises in my heart. Some will say, it's like a scripture that I've read, that I've heard, that just, it, 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 it comes and it, it's like an arrow to my heart, not to destroy me, but it's an arrow piercing my doubt and piercing my fears. It's like an arrow of truth, and it's an arrow of hope. I feel like the Lord has spoken something to my heart. Uh, if, if, could I just say this to you? If, you, if you're a Jesus sheep, would, would you just understand the Lord has given you great big old ears and a little bitty mouth? He, he's given you the ability to hear. I, I remember earlier in our, our marriage and ministry together, Shirley would say, as a, as a young believer growing, and, 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 this, and, it, and I needed to hear it. She said, she said, David, you know, I really believe that one of the things we get when we get saved, one of the things we get when Jesus comes to live inside our hearts is we get the ability to hear his voice, that he will speak to us in a way that's a familiar voice to us. It, it, it may be different, and it will be different between different ones, but oh, my brother and my sister, what if it really is true? That hope lives where heaven 
has spoken a promise to you. The Lord, having given you a sense of what he wants, of where things are going, of what his heart is. And when you rehearse that and you remind yourself of that, and it doesn't matter how much time passes or who else will say you're crazy or the circumstances just stack up against you, nothing can move you away from that place of hope because you feel like it's something that the Lord has spoken to your heart. I want to just say to you, I, I don't believe that is intended to be the experience of just a handful of Christians who have the time to sit around and stare at their Bibles all day and they don't have to go work anywhere or that they don't have to be around folks who don't know the Lord or, or, or they, have, they have plenty of uh, funds and they don't really have to trust God for anything. And I, I, I believe that it is a truth that is intended for every one of the Lord's children. My Sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. This is, a, th this is all about encouraging you to dare to believe that the God of all creation, the God who is beyond time and space, knows any, no kind of lack at all. That God in the person of Jesus Christ, by the work of the Holy Spirit, wants to speak to you wants you to know his voice and know his heart. And as that happens, and as he speaks to us and he causes us to know his heart for the things that we're in the middle of, I'm just telling you, I'm telling you, are you here listening to what I'm fixing to tell you? The scripture says faith, the ability to believe, comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. We struggle in faith because we haven't heard anything. When you hear something, faith is automatic. The response is the ability to believe. All right. Now, that's kind of where we're going this morning. And I'm, I'm, this, I'm, praying, I'm praying that hope, that the ability to believe and trust the Lord will blow up in our hearts this morning. We'll just explode. That there'll be some things that we will hear, and I want you to get out a piece of paper to maybe jot a thing or two down. I'm not going to give you a real rigid outline, but I do believe that there are going to some, be some things, maybe some statements, some place, some understandings of the meanings of words in Scripture that may just really, as you hear them, they just burn in your heart. And it's the Lord speaking and the Lord encouraging us from His Word. Okay, this is Romans chapter 4. Abraham and Sarah, our old friends. We visit them again this morning. This is one of the most fascinating passages in all of Scripture about what it is to be called to a walk of faith, to trust the Lord for things that would just absolutely be impossible. The thing I want you to notice as we get into this is that Abraham, we call him the father of faith, father of our faith. And it is, it is true in the sense that we learn from him to believe the Lord for the things that the Lord has promised. Faith, Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, the scripture will say. Our kinship with Abraham is in our call to believe in Jesus, to look to Jesus, to trust him for what he has accomplished for us on the cross and in his resurrection. 
We, we believe Jesus as Abraham was believing God for his promises. So we are considered and called heirs of Abraham's promise. But here's the point. Faith, faith is a reflex action. Faith is a response. Faith is an ability that you have because God has done something before you ever had the ability to believe. Faith is a response. To, to the, the word faith, the noun, comes from a verb in the Greek New Testament. The, the noun faith comes from the verb that means to persuade or to convince or to be convinced or to be persuaded. In other words, if I'm going to believe something about God or something that the Lord wants to do, it means that before I am able to believe, the Lord has taken steps to convince me that that's what he wants to do, to persuade me that that's the direction he's going. It, it, is, it is not true to Scripture that we are supposed to, as followers of Jesus, to sit around beating ourselves up because we don't have faith or because we back away from something that we think we ought to be doing. The, 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 point, the point is not that I can generate belief or faith the point is, God, the person of Jesus, the work of the Spirit, piercing our hearts and our minds, working to convince us that he has spoken, that it is his heart. And then I believe. I believe because I have been persuaded. I believe because I have been convinced. To, faith, to believe or faith is not a standalone us. If, if, you know, you, the doctors are going to test you. When you get older, you get to go in these once-a-year deals, and the doctor just slap you around, slap around all kind of things. He'll hang my leg over there, hit that thing right there. What, what is that? Well, my leg does that. It's a reflex. It's not going to happen until he hits my leg right there, hits me right in the knee. The movement in your spirit that results in the ability to believe God is a response to the Lord caring enough about you, wanting you to know enough of what, about he's wanting, what he's wanting to do in your life and with you, that he will speak to you somehow, and he will convince you, and he will persuade you that he has spoken. And then the result is that you believe because you know that you've heard something. Now, watch, watch this. This is in Romans chapter 4. Abraham, a father of many nations, for it is written, a father of many nations... I have made you. Now, that was the Lord's promise to Abraham. He hadn't had a baby yet. Sarah hadn't gotten pregnant yet. But in the mind of the Lord, the Lord says, a father of many nations, I have made you. Nail this down. Nail it down. What is in the spirit always precedes what is in the flesh. The spiritual controls the natural. 
It may be centuries, decades, millennia before something is actually fulfilled and seen in the natural. But it originated in the heart and the mind of God. Listen to this. The Lord says about Abraham, they hadn't had a baby yet. They, they were still getting older and all of those things. But the Lord says, Abraham, I have already made you a father of many nations. Abraham didn't see it. Abraham couldn't, didn't know all of that, how that was going to happen. But that was the mind of God for him. It would be years before it would be manifest in the, in the natural. But a father of many nations, I have made you. Then he goes on to say, in the sight of him whom he believed, whom he believed, whom he had been persuaded by, whom he had been convinced was real, whom he had been persuaded would speak to him, everywhere you see the word believe or faith in the New Testament, everywhere you see it, understand it in the light of it being a reflex, it being something that comes after Abraham believed God because God convinced Abraham that he was. Abraham believed God that there would be a son coming because Abraham was convinced by God that he was going to be given a son and he would be a father of many nations. It wasn't Abraham the great person of faith. It was Abraham the object of the word of the Lord to his heart. You and I, brothers and sisters, if we dare to believe it, are no different in that sense than Abraham. The Lord has the same capacity to speak a dream into your soul. The Lord has the ability to speak a promise regarding things that seem to have no natural solution or no natural way to work out. He has the ability to speak to you what he has already made and prepared and done in the spirit. And he tells you, he will tell you what he wants you to believe him for. And instead of us having to strain and sweat and, and beat ourselves up about this thing of belief, it is a natural outflow. You remember this? The old man getting hit in the leg bone with the, in the knee joint. With a, it's the natural reflex. It's the natural spiritual reflex. When the Lord speaks to you about your marriage, when the Lord speaks to you about your kids, when the Lord speaks to you about your profession, when the Lord speaks to you about a medical condition, fill in the blank. When the Lord speaks to his sheep, his sheep hears his voice. And the response to that is faith. The response to that is the ability that you didn't have before he spoke to you. The ability to believe him. And it won't matter what a doctor says. It won't matter what the culture says. It won't matter what the financial record says. You just know in your knower what God said, and the rest of it can go jump off a cliff. But you know what you know, and you're settled in your heart. Amen. Now, that, that's Abraham's story. Let's keep going. I need to calm down. I get so fired up about this section. And here, here's the reason that there's so much joy and so much energy. Abraham is in the Bible as an example for us. He was not to be the whole story. He was supposed to be one who, inter, who, who, who initiated this journey of walking with the Lord, listening for his voice, and then believing that as the Lord gives direction, we're going to have the capacity to follow and to do. If it's wait, we wait. If it's go, we go. If it's to the right, we go to the right. If it's left, we go to the left. Up, up. Because he's speaking to us. He's speaking to us. 
goes back to that thing we've been on for all these. You can't have a kingdom if you don't have a king. The purpose of the outpouring of the spirit of the king upon the church is so that we would have the sense of the king's presence. Not just a document like the Magna Carta that was written and signed all those years ago. And that's all it is, is just a document. No. Heaven was opened and the exalted Christ poured out his spirit upon the church so that there would be a sense in our hearts. He's here. He's here. He's able. He's full of power. He's full of joy. And he will speak to me. Who else do I need to look at? He will speak to you. He will speak. You say, well, I don't know if he'll ever speak to me. Well, let me ask you, sir, have you ever asked him? Or do we slam into Monday and we never utter a peep? Lord, what do you want me to do today? How do you want me to respond to that cranky knucklehead? And they wrote this three-page email, and I got to figure out how to do it. And we never even stop to think that the Lord may want to speak to you about how to handle something. Commit your way unto the Lord, old David, said the king. Commit your way unto the Lord. Trust also in him. And listen to this. And he will do it. You'll do what? It. Well, what's it? Whatever it is. That is how commit your way into the Lord. Hand it over to the Lord. Give it to him. Lord, here it is. Anything you want to say back to me. Commit your way. And that was a king. That was a, he was a head of state. He was a businessman in a sense. He was a leader of men and you know, the country. But this is what he said at the end of his life. I've learned this. You commit your way to the Lord, roll it over onto the Lord, trust also in him, and he'll do it. Instead of waiting till next Sunday, great Scott, folks. <laughs> I don't know where that... Instead of waiting until next Sunday to check in with the Lord of all creation who loves you, who bought you with his price, talk to him all day long. Bring him into the minutia of your life. Lord, what do you want? He may not answer you in standout, bold letters in every situation. But you know what he can do? He can order circumstances. He can cause stuff to happen. He can bring people to you, people. You'll hear his voice through somebody saying something to you or, or giving a direction or he'll, the circumstances just don't work out a way or the door stays open over here. But you'll have a sense, whoa, I think that was the Lord talking to me. It'll make anywhere you work and whoever you're with a holy, a holy, a God kind of setting because you as a sheep are talking to your shepherd. I just dare you, I just dare you to try a Monday and let the Lord, your shepherd, in on every part of it by asking him, Lord, what would you have me to do? Even down to who you want me to eat with today. What, what, what's the rank of phone calls I need to call? Who, who do I need to call first? What, I need, what, what would you have me do? 
I tell you, if you try that one time and you come back next time and say, preacher, that was the biggest waste of time I ever heard of. I think I'm going to change churches because that just was a big waste of my time. Well, just go wear yourself out, you know, on that. Just, as I don't think it will. I don't think it'll be a waste of time. I believe he wants you to know he loves you. He knows where you are. You have been given the ability to hear his voice when he speaks. And sometimes he, won't, he will wait to speak until we ask him the question. So here, here we go. Let me get back to the text. God who, in the sight of him whom he believed, whom he had been persuaded was true, even God, and look at this, who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. He had come to be convinced because the Lord had spoken to him, he was going to have a son. But you look down in the next part, in hope, against hope, he believed. He remained persuaded in order that he might become a father of many nations. According to that which had been spoken, so shall your descendants be. Verse 19, and without becoming weak in faith. That word means a divided mind, weak because it's divided. Part of me wants to believe, part of me wants to doubt. Some days chickens, some days feathers. Do I have a witness? All right. Without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body, now as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully assured. That's passive, passive voice. In other words, Abraham wasn't assuring himself. He was being fully assured that what he, the Lord, had promised, he was able also to perform. Now, let's back up to that part about... about, um, giving life to the dead. This is, and the verb is present. And again, what what is spoken of with regard to Abraham is intended to be an example for us. Not that we live in the same time, obviously, in the same area as Abraham, or that the specific promise is the same. But the means of God's dealing with people in many ways, remains the same, how he wants to deal. It, 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 because it, 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 it is, it is, the, the verb is this way. Even God who gives life to the dead, it's present active. That means who is giving life to the dead. And then who is calling into being that which does not exist. Folks, it's always going to be the heart of God, when necessary to bring life back into something that is dead. That, that is what he does. That's what this is saying. He put his faith in the God, in, in the God who is giving life to the dead. You got a dead marriage? Don't say amen. Just, you got a, a relationship that's suffering. A profession, a business, a company. It, it, is, it is the Lord's ability 
to look at something that is graveyard dead, that has no pulse. He has the heart and he has the ability to shoot it through with brand new life. It doesn't have to be a resuscitation of old life. This is talking about he has the ability to give new and further and fresh and better, stronger life into that which was not dying, not sick, but dead, and all it needed was a casket and a burial. Your God, your God, No matter what it is that has been dashed, no matter what it is that has shattered hope, your God has the ability to bring back to life that which was dead. Abraham hung on that. That was hope for him. You see, when he knew that about God and he knew that this God had spoken, he could keep trucking right on through life, getting older getting more stooped over, and Sarah being well stricken in years as well. But instead of him giving up, I'm so far away from the promise now, that must have just been bad pizza. It must have just been something was wrong with the Mexican food that I ate. And I just got all churned up, and it wasn't anything at all. His attitude was, I'm not getting farther away from the promise. I'm getting closer to the fulfillment of the promise. Folks, when the Lord speaks to you, when the Lord's written something across your heart and has persuaded you, listen, in whatever way you you get persuasion, in whatever way it is that he would know that he needed to use to persuade you, that's what this is talking about. And in response to how you've been persuaded, you now have the ability to believe. That when that happens, as it happens to you, like with Abraham, it won't matter how much time has passed, except that you're just getting closer to the time that the Lord's going to cause it to be manifest instead of it being something over and done with in the past. It, it won't matter what is stacked up in front of you. you, you, you people around you, can you imagine that? Abraham. Still talking about having that boy. Abraham, you seen Abraham lately? He's not getting any younger, and she's not getting any younger either. But you talk to that old man, and he still believes that they're going to have a kid. Whatever the out yonder said about Abraham and spoke to him, and they're rolling of the eyes, and they're, oh, great, here he comes, turning away. Didn't phase that old man, didn't shake him, didn't move him. Why? Because he had been persuaded by the God who knows how to persuade. He had been convinced by the one who knows how to convince Abraham. The Lord knows how, listen, the Lord knows how to persuade you. The Lord knows how to convince you. And as he does that, and it may be about something massive, it may be something about very small, something very particular, something that may seem to be a a, a corollary to life, 
But, but the point is, when you have a sense that the Lord has spoken something, that heaven has spoken something to your heart, it won't matter necessarily how big or how small it is. It's just the fact that you have a sense in your knower, heaven has spoken to me. That means heaven is operative as it relates to me. That means that my life is in his hands, that he has my heart in his hands, that he cares about me. Now may the God of hope fill you up with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is the God of hope who transmits hope. It is the God of hope who is able to speak to us his heart so that there rises up within us the ability then to believe. I just need to say it one more time. Stop beating yourself up for the drift away of, of faith and holding fast to that which you used to be able to believe. It, it, it isn't about you and your strength and your ability to believe. It is about the Lord's ability to freshly fill you with his spirit, enabling you to believe. Jesus isn't doubting. Jesus isn't worried. Jesus isn't confused. Jesus isn't overwhelmed by opposition. So therefore, if I am freshly filled with the spirit of Jesus, over, overshadowing whatever my spirit might try to induce, if I'm filled with his spirit, then that which is true to him, that which is reality to him, that which is who he is, will increasingly be who I am. Fill me, Lord. Fill me, Lord. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father who is in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who are asking him? Forget about, well, I prayed, asked the Lord, and the Lord filled me. The Lord gave me a revival 14 years ago, 30 years ago. That's old news. Thank God for what he did then. But we can go dry since then. Our faith, ability to believe, ability to be convinced. The dream that once so strong diminished in its power to grip us because it came from the Lord. And if it's going to stay fresh in our hearts, the Lord by his spirit is going to be, continue to ignite that and remind us. Lord, fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your spirit. Okay, back to our brother and sister Abraham. He believed God who gives life to the dead. What have you given up on because it died? It looked to you like it died. It looked to you like all it needed was a hole in the ground and a, and a shovel to cover it up. But God spoke to your heart something related to that even though it looks like it is dead it may be dead in the natural, but it's not dead in the spirit. God said, I've made you a father of many nations. Even though he looked at his body and his body kept getting older. But the Lord had said, I've made you a father of many nations. It is what is true in the spirit that will determine what is done in the natural. It's never the other way around. It's not the natural determining the spiritual. It is what is in the spirit, what God has spoken in the spirit, that will determine, that will dictate to the natural. 
<laughs> All right. Verse 19. Without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Yet, with respect to the promise of God. Paul uses the word promise here that is a legal term. It was understood as a legal term. And putting the Lord in the sense of someone who is willing to enter into a legally binding agreement. When he speaks a promise, it is a promise to do something or to provide something. Legally binding, that was the word. When Abraham, yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief. But he grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. I I, I enjoy reworking the the, the words, just trying to get it back to what Paul may have very well meant as as he wrote this in in, in the New Testament language. He grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. Abraham grew strong in faith. He was in faith, but, but, but faith, again, faith is a response. He kept, getting, he kept getting encouragement. He kept getting that which persuaded him. He kept getting that which would convince him. And the more he did that, the, the, the more he was able to respond believing. And as he did that, he was giving glory to God. Well, it may very well be that he was giving glory to God, and as he was giving glory to God, he was growing stronger in faith. Why? To give glory to God means that he was accentuating, he was celebrating the power of his God, the timelessness of his God, the authority of his God, the warmth and love of his God, the the, the wisdom of his God. The more he, he kept celebrating the goodness and greatness of God, then the ability to trust the Lord, that the Lord can't lie, and the Lord who has all of these things, he's completely trustworthy, and he's able to come through, and I'm celebrating him, and the result of that is, I just got faith blowing up all all over inside my heart. Believing God as he gave glory to God. Folks, here's another part of that. See, we get so focused on how big the Goliath is, that we lose sight of how massive our God is. We, we get so consumed with the walls of Jericho that we just can't imagine what, how are we going to do this. It wasn't until, you remember that, the pre-Bethlehem appearance, Jesus appeared to Joshua outside the walls of Jericho, convinced him of the sense of the presence of the living God. And as he was convinced of the presence of the living God, his faith rose up and he was ready to take instruction. Being fully persuaded, fully assured, verse 21, that what God had promised, he was able to perform. This, in a nutshell, summarizes that truth. I've just been trying to emphasize these last week. Here, Here is what it is. Being fully assured, again, That's passive. Abraham was being assured. Abraham was not assuring himself. It was the Lord who was assuring him. And and it's the idea that it wasn't just a one-time deal. It was an ongoing process. 
that the Lord, in the way that Abraham would hear it and could understand it, the Lord worked to persuade Abraham. So this is what it says. And being fully assured that what God had promised, God was able also to perform. So Abraham lived in that place of hope all the way through his life, repeatedly being reassured that what God had said, God would indeed do. The longing here, the cry here is, what is it that do do you need to hear from the Lord about? What what is it could could change for you where where hope could rise within your heart if the Lord spoke something to you in regard to that situation? Well, instead of assuming he's never going to speak, ask him. Ask him. You say, well, I asked him. I asked him a long time ago. Well, that was a long time ago. Ask him again. Lord, what do you want me to do? Whatever is broken, whatever is misdirected, whatever is incompleted, whatever may be graveyard dead, but still in your heart there's the desire for what the Lord wants with regard to that to be done. Lord, what would you have me do? Lord, would you refresh, would you bring a revival, a refreshing of your word to my heart in that regard? Well, now that we're talking about promises a little bit, I want you to go with me back to one of the greatest sections in the the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 28. And I want to just go over some listed promises of the Lord's heart for his children. Again, folks, and say, well, it's the Old Covenant. That we don't need to spend any time in those Old Testament promises. I, that, you know, there's, there's just, you, you, you accept that view and you just walk away from some incredible breakthroughs in your life, potentially. The Lord says we are heirs of Abraham's promises because of our relationship with Jesus. Therefore, everything that's written in the Old Testament has the potential to have its impact on us. If we choose to accept it and open our hearts, that, Lord, this this is the kind of God you are. This is the kind of heart that you have. Moses speaks this to the people as they're about to head into the land of promise. Now, it shall be, he says, if you will diligently obey the Lord your God. Now, can I note something for you? The, The Hebrew, this is Old Testament, this is Hebrew. The word translated obey in our English really should be translated if you will diligently listen to the Lord your God. The assumption is that if we're listening, we're going to be obeying, but it comes right back to this. The Lord wants his people to hear him speak, to hear him speak. If you will diligently listen to the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments, which I command you today, The Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. Now, you've got to set the perspective. We're reading this to individuals. We're not reading this to a nation. 
So what is the perspective with your life? This promise, if it comes off the pages and begins to burn in your heart, this is the Lord's heart for me, that if I will honor him, he will honor me. And a part of his honoring of me is that he will elevate me. The word, the verb there means to to ascend. He, he, will, he will set you high. He will cause you to ascend. He will cause you to rise up. He will cause you to grow up. He will cause you to be lifted up. He'll cause you to be put up. That's not necessarily meaning in terms of the organizational chart of your company, but it means in the eyes and the minds of people around you who know you. That there will be, because of the Lord's blessing upon you, you're honoring him, he honors you. He will cause you to be respected in their sight. He will cause you to be elevated above others who have less of a desire for integrity, less of a desire for compassion, less of a desire for truth and do do things in a way that would honor the Lord. But he will honor you if you will honor him. One of the most Fascinating stories of, of, of American history to me is Abraham Lincoln becoming the president of the United States in the middle of the cataclysmic disruption of, our, of, of, of the states and, and, the, and the war breaking out over states' rights. At least that was, the, that was a term affixed to it. And, and Abraham Lincoln, many of you remember this, he was not clear on this matter of abolition of slavery in the beginning. He was still debating. Was it something that the state should decide or should that be something that's a federal decision? He was weighing that. Abraham Lincoln, I believe we'll see him in heaven one day. I believe he knew the Lord. He grew in his relationship with the Lord during the, during the time of his presidency before he was assassinated. But here's what happened. When he was struggling with this thing of what, what should the position be, my position be on the abolition of slavery, no one around him was able to influence his life in the way that this one former slave by the name of Frederick Douglass was able to do. Some way or another, listen to me, please. Some way or another, God sovereignly orchestrated the corridors of travel such that Frederick Douglass, a former slave, was eventually ushered into not just the Oval Office where the president sat, but into the back chambers where the president lived. Long discussions, deep discussions were held. And Lincoln came out of those conversations with such an admiration as to the brilliance of Frederick Douglass and the heart of Frederick Douglass that it absolutely changed his perspective so that the Emancipation Proclamation was written The Civil War was fought and concluded over the singular issue of the freedom of slaves. It wasn't states' rights. States had no right to enslave people. The bigger issue rose in Abraham Lincoln's heart because he saw Frederick Douglass' life and was influenced and impacted by him. God, listen, God raised Frederick Douglass up, gave him the honored position of being respected and an ear to the President of the United States though he was a former slave. I'm telling you, folks, you honor God in your company. You honor God in your family. You honor God in your marriage. You honor God in your home, and he will honor you. Okay, we can continue on here. I love this next verse. And all these blessings shall come upon you 
and overtake you if you will obey the Lord your God, if you will listen to the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the offspring of your body and the produce of your ground and the offspring of your beast, the increase of your herd and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket, kitchen talk, and blessed shall be your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise up against you to be defeated before you. They shall come out against you one way and shall flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing upon you in your barns and in all that you put your hand to. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God gives you. What he's saying is, you keep living a life that seeks to honor the Lord. And in the process, you're going to hear a racket, a racket coming up behind you. And the racket is the sound of the wagons of blessing. And the blessing wagons won't just catch up with you. The blessing wagons will get in front of you and start chunking loads back at you. Now, I realize that is a little South Texasizing of the text. But I'm telling you, don't step into a place expecting to fail. Don't take a job expecting it to overwhelm you. Don't enter into situations expecting that you're all by yourself and you're an orphan and God, you locked in the church house. His heart is to be where you are. And his heart is to bless the fire out of you. That's one way we'd say it. To honor you because you are honoring him. To honor. He has the ability not just to command judgment, but to command blessing. He has the ability, we don't enter, he has the ability to cause the heavens, and this is an agricultural system, to cause the heavens to open up and to just gully wash the fields and their crops. All right? Well, I'm all for that, preacher. Bring it. Bring it, all right? Well, what, so, so what are we to listen to in this matter? What has he said about financial blessing, financial prosperity? Well, here's what he said. He, he, here he's stepping in to correct to offer to the people an answer as to why the blessings that were promised are being withheld. Why times have gotten hard instead of just staying in the place of blessing. Last book in the Old Testament, Malachi 3. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And then he says, test me now and then. The purpose of the tithe was for people, you and me, to participate in the mercy ministry of God. He wanted the, the, the 10%, the first 10% off of everybody's crops to be brought into the, into the storehouses so that from there, people who were in hard times, people who couldn't work, people who had been injured, people who were sick, widows with children could be cared for. It, it was not because the Lord was going broke. It was because the Lord was wanting us to get on the blessing that it is more blessed to give 
than to receive. It is, there's a greater blessing, Jesus would say that, it's more blessing to give than to receive. So, so you bring that first 10% into my house. And then he says, folks, listen, test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Now, I, I know, I just kind of feel it right now. When I start talking about this, I just kind of feel some stuff coming back from somebody. Oh, is that preacher talking about money? Let me tell you something. You keep your cotton-picking money, and you live off all 100% of it and see how it goes for you. But the ones who have heart, who have a sense, Lord, I want in on the blessings. (laughs) Whatever would thwart the flow of your blessings I want it out of my life. I want it corrected. So tell me, Lord, what do you want me to hear? And so he says, you bring the whole tithe. You do your math. Do the math. Do the math. You bring the first 10% to me. And you watch and see what happens. He says, you test me. You test me in this. I don't know any other place in the scripture where the Lord will say, I'm giving you permission to try this, do this, and see if it works. Well, and then he goes on to say, here's here's what what will happen if they started doing that. The windows of heaven will open. Then he says, then I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it may not destroy the fruits of the ground nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord. So the two things, the three things he says. One is you bring it in, and I will bless you with more. The second thing he says is you honor me in this way. You do the math. You bring that 10% in. What is meant for you, you'll get. In other words, the, 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 the devourer will not be allowed to consume your crop. Well, I'm spending all this money. I mean, I have this money coming in, but it just seems like it's all consumed. The way to fix that, the Lord would say is, honor the Lord first, and you watch how he will intervene as he takes over your finances, and he will cause the devourer to stop. That you quit losing as much as you've been losing because you honor him first. And then the second one, what is meant for you, you'll get. The deals that haven't come in will begin to make. The vine will not prematurely cast its grapes. You, you go back to Deuteronomy 28. The plan of the Lord is to bless his people socks off, to bless us in ways that we are taken care of, that we're safe, that, that there's, there's enough and even plenty. If we will honor him, he promises to honor us. And it can be, and this, this one is so striking, that, that the financial fix is just, just as plain as the nose on your face. He says, this is the way you fix your financial problem. Instead of flipping me a quarter if you've got any left over. You honor me first. Do the math, honor me first. And you test me and see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven. If I will not cause the devourer to leave you to back away. And if I'll not cause, see if I will not cause these vines to prematurely stop throwing their, their grapes and you lose the heart. The promise. The promise. Now, when, when, that, when that gets written across your heart, my brother or my sister, 
and, and, and somehow this, this comes off the page, honoring the Lord first with your finances will be the easiest thing, one of the easiest, if not the easiest thing you'll ever do. It won't be painful. It won't be, I don't know how we can do it. It will be joy because you're understanding I'm honoring him and I am choosing to set him at the center of my financial world. And you watch how he will bless. Now that, that's, that's one of the practical one of those practical things. I just think it's so amazing. The Lord knows how we think. He knows how we're wired. He knows how we count, you know, what we've got in the refrigerator, what, what, what there is in the bank account, those kind of things. But he says, here, I want to bless you. I want to lift you up high. I want to bless all the work of your hands. You honor me first, and you watch how I'll honor you. Amen. I mean, so I'm, I'm, I'm going, we were headed this way last week and got sidetracked. I don't know what, I don't know, y'all got to say an amen about something, and I stayed on some subject and got off my outline here but, last week, but I, we had to, come, had to come back to it this, this day. There are many who are, draw, who are drawing circles around the financial situation, that, that, and that's understandable. The Lord knows that. Here's, here's the way. His heart is to bless his heart is to bring the breakthrough, and he is very specific in how to fix your finances. Honor him first in the amount that he says, honor me, and then watch what he will do in time. Amen. 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 Every time I get off on this, there will be several people after the service is over saying, Pastor, I wish you'd let me say something. I just, the Lord, the Lord showed that to me X number of years ago, X whatever, and I'm telling it, it is the truth. It is the truth. It is the truth. When he says, test me, he means it, and he will prove it. But the doors open and the blessings begin to flow. Lord, I thank you for the time together this morning that we've had. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the, your call to us to believe you, to trust you. And we seek to do that in the, in the areas and the places that, that are of great concern for us. Lord, I ask you, I ask you, to do this work that is needed in our hearts, to speak to us where you want us to hear something from you and where you have spoken, where there has been a promise, a direction given in days gone by, Lord, will you send a great revival to that very spot? Will you refresh us in that place? Will you freshly persuade us, freshly convince us of your heart toward us in that particular area. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Let's stand together. Prayer partners, if you'll join